Hello, and welcome to my podcast, The Dark Corners Are. hostess tonight we're gonna talk about Prague in public Czechoslovakia public republic and I have to say I am absolutely impressed that is the word I would use just impressed with how much paranormal activity this city is overran with and and the thing about Prague is it's in Europe and it's just old when we when we talk about Europe when we talk about Africa when we talk about Asia we're talking extensively hundreds of years old centuries dec I mean decades just <laughs> it's unbelievable and because of their histories, and the things that they've gone through, it just adds on to the paranormal essence that is there. And I I was actually talking to husband Jeff last night, actually, and it was like, why didn't we go to Prague for our honeymoon? Or Transylvania? Or, I mean, where we went was fine. Belgium was wonderful, Ghent was amazing. Bruges was just, uh, just ah. But we didn't do any ghost hunting there, and Prague is really just littered, laden, soaked with ghosts and just strange events and stories. Now, the first place I want to talk about in Prague, in, in Czechoslovakia, is... Actually, not in Prague. It's 30 miles. I'm American. We use miles. And, of course, I'm referring to the Huska Castle. So, there's just a ton of mystery, a ton of history, just surrounding this place. And so, you have your myths, and then you have actual history. So, this is the best as I can describe it. Reportedly, the locals, and we're talking hundreds of years ago, found this mysterious crack in the limestone cliff. And people began reporting seeing half-human, half-animals coming out of it, you know, crawling out of it, and beginning to eat their livestock, beginning to eat actual humans. And or these creatures would would drag humans back and, and take them down in the crack. And meanwhile, just wreaking havoc... On the village. Now, the villagers, of course, tried to stop this. They tried throwing stones down this crack to seal it, and it didn't happen. It just, the the rocks would never accumulate and seal. So, they just 
began to believe that this was the gateway to hell, this area. So this goes on. The king of Bohemia at the time decides to investigate the matter. And, of course, he doesn't want to send his finest men to check it out in case it is the gateway to hell. So they look to some prisoners who are actually facing the gallows. And they say, hey, if you are willing, if you volunteer to be lowered into this crack and let us know what you are seeing, we'll give you a full pardon. And so some of them actually agreed. And that's what they did. They took this group and this young Brave guy was like, I'll go first. And they lowered him, you know, with the rope down the crack. And it takes like two seconds when he starts screaming these horrific screams. And immediately the other prisoners struggle to bring him back up. And he he comes up screaming, rambling. It's very obvious his mind has snapped. And he actually never recovers mentally. And whatever he saw terrifies him so much his hair actually turns white. And this was actually documented, okay? So the king is like, fuck this. We're going to seal it. And King Ottokar II of Bohemia, that's what this land was known as at the time, has this gothic structured castle scenario built over this crack between 1253 and 1278. And he's like, we're going to seal this, and we're actually going to construct this castle that the inner walls are actually the outer walls and the outer walls are the inner walls to basically keep something in instead of being a fortification that kept things out like invading armies or vikings i mean i don't i don't really know if vikings were around but you get my point there are also no stairs in the inner structure so that anything that falls in, you, you, you know, sorry, you can't climb stairs to get out. There's no kitchen in this structure. So whoever's there is not really meant to be there for long. And it is said that a troop of archers were kept there and told, you fucking kill anything that comes out. Now, there was a rumor or there is a rumor that for extra protection, they built a chapel over the seal basically a holy place on top of the gateway to hell. And it is said that this chapel is dedicated to Archangel Michael, whom we all know was the guy who led the armies against Lucifer when Lucifer rebelled and took a third of the angels with him. But, I and I've heard, you know, I've read, I've, I've watched some YouTube videos, and even the YouTube people, one says there's a chapel, another says there's no history records of a chapel being there. So, again... Supposedly, this chapel was built. Now, the official reason for this building to get built is that the king wanted a place of official business. And I hesitate believing this simply because this place is in the middle of Buckfuck nowhere. You know, what do we say? Timbuktu. It's surrounded by dense forests. It's nowhere near water, a source of water, which is essential. You know, you got to drink water. Like I said before, it doesn't even have a kitchen. It's nowhere near trade routes, so I don't know what kind of business is being done. And so the question is, what are you doing building a fortification that really has no actual function and really can't house or provide a function? And the fortification itself is not... 
there to protect a king who's supposedly conducting business here. Now, historically speaking, over time, it does eventually get occupied by royalty. Eventually, as the country of Bohemia breaks down, gets rebuilt into other countries, this fortification, this house, the Huska house, falls into private hands. By 1639, the castle actually becomes occupied by this guy named Aranto, who is a Swedish mercenary. But the thing is, Aranto believed in black magic. He practiced black magic, and he even had a laboratory that he was basically working to create this elixir for immortality. And between the beginnings of this potential crack sealed castle and now this guy practicing black magic and trying to come up with something immoral, the villagers were like, this is too fucking much. And they end up having two local hunters kill him. Now, to the villagers, it's all bad juju. We don't know what happened a couple hundred years ago. We know what's happened now. It's just bad juju. But again, it, the property exchange hand, and over time, it's still an area that the locals avoid. And then things start to pick up in September of 1938. In an attempt to appease Hitler and to avoid war, Britain, Italy, France, and fucking Hitler meet in Munich to discuss basically a peace treaty. Even though you and I both know that nothing's actually going to appease Hitler because he's a fucking t- fucktard. But at this point in time, September 1938, the Allies, the British, the Italians, who were, by the way, Mussolini, so you know where this fucking goes, the French, and they agreed to concede this particular area of Czechoslovakia, known as the Sudetenland, to Germany in exchange for a pledge of peace. So they basically sacrifice property that... They're not even owning. It's not part of their country. This agreement is historically known as the Munich Pact. And part of the reason why Hitler wanted this particular area was simply because it was occupied primarily of actual Germans, people of German descent. So the goddamn Nazis move in. They take this fortification. And we believe that the Nazis had heard about some of the satanic shit that may have been going on hundreds of years ago. And they themselves begin to dabble into their own occult there. Everyone knows that the fucking Nazis were trying to harness the power of Satan so that they can fucking win or some sort of eternal magic to make their armies more superior. And it is also said that they decided to conduct some experiments. Locals in the 1940s reported that they would hear strange lights and horrifying screams and cries from the castle later on when the allies win they do in fact find remains of a few goddamn nazi soldiers in the castle now during the fucking nazis occupation you if you can't tell by now i don't like nazis there was a belief that heimrich himmler this fucking guy actually wanted to use this place to secure a thirteen thousand manuscript library And since it was literally out of the way of any type of ally bombing, this place was perfect to keep this library. And then included in this library was their writings on the occult and their research and the information that they had gathered. 
So, as we all know, when the Allies won, Russia took over this particular area and ruled Czechoslovakia for a few decades. And then when it became its own country again, this place was returned, actually, to its rightful owner. And today, you can actually tour this castle. And again, you can see that some there's just some things that are odd about this particular place, such as there are paintings, frescoes of creatures depicted on the walls, some having upper body human bodies and then the lower part being a horse. So again, kind of speaking back to the notion that half human, half animal creatures were coming out of the crack. In addition to that, there were some depictions of pagan mythology as well in the church, the church. And in fact, there's even one of a centaur using its left hand to shoot an arrow. And symbolically speaking, left-handedness was associated with service to Satan. In the Middle Ages, it's not. I'm a lefty. Uh, I'm a lefty with a bat. So I promise you, hitting anything, it would be Satan. I promise you. So again, there's a lot of strange things afoot at the Huska house. But on top of everything else, to this day, people who visit the castle who tore it, have reported hearing screams and scratching coming from beneath the floor. I I mean, it's just a lot. To me, there's a lot of weird shit that does not add up. That's the problem. You you have a king that spent a fortune building a fortress in the middle of nowhere that served no purpose immediately. Why? What are you keeping from us? But again, you know, that was literally 800 years ago. So, All right, so let's get back to Prague. Now, before we get into the ghosty stuff, I do want to share some of the amazing places you can check out as well. Because, I mean, I'm impressed. I, I can't sit, I cannot stress this. I'm impressed with Prague. Why didn't I go to Prague on my honeymoon? Of course, that was a long time ago. So let's talk about some of the things to bear in mind in this city it, it, when you go. Because, like I said before, this is an ancient city. It's super old. Hundreds of years old. So let's talk about the Strohhof Monastery. And it is actually located on top of a hill in Prague. This monastery is the second oldest in the city. Originally built and open for business for monks, for monk business, in 1140. So, Jesus Christ, we're talking over a thousand years old. But thanks to various wars, it had to be rebuilt a couple of times. And as such, they ended up building a very impressive, amazing library. Now, this library actually has two parts. One park is of the Baroque theme. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just kidding. I just had to say that to steal joke. But this one actually contains this section, 18,000 religious texts. The second part is more of a grand philosophical hall part. And this one contains 42,000 ancient philosophical texts. And we're talking rare volumes and exceptionally old texts. So if libraries and old books and the smell of old books is your jam, this is a must in your trip of Prague. And the craftsmanship, just looking at the pictures of this building is so immense. I mean, there's you could just feel the love and care that went into the building of this structure by those who built it. Now, on top of the books and the text, it also contains... A cabinet of curiosities that was given to the monastery from the estate of Karel Han 
Ebon, Urban, in 1798. And this curiosity includes bits of the dodo bird that we all know went extinct, a large 18th century electric device of some sort, numerous old oceanic species, so, you know, dead animals, bugs, rocks, artifacts, and for some unknown reason, and they have a, a glass case full of wax fruit, which I didn't even know was a thing back in 1798, but okay, all right, now I know. Now, if you wish to go, you need to make arrangements in advance, and you actually have to go with a group, and it's uphill, so, you know, there's that thing. But they say that there's a nice restaurant with some caverns, and supposedly the food is quite good. I don't know. I've not eaten there. But it just really sounds like a really interesting place to check out if you have the afternoon. Let's talk about the Speculum Alchemia Museum. Now, this kind of sounds a little cheesy-ish, but sometimes cheesy is fun. I'm not going to lie. This particular museum... If you go there, you'll find, you know, portraits, books, and, again, assorted curiosities. I mean, Prague is kind of like, almost like the occult center. They're always looking for elixirs, things, type of invention to, or concoction to make gold scenario. But, supposedly, the last black bear's hide to be hunted in the outskirts of Prague lies on the floor. Now, in this museum, there is a small library. And if you locate a small statue in the library and give it a twist, a secret door will open up and you will see a narrow set of stairs. You take it, it will lead you down to an underground laboratory. And basically what you'll find is this laboratory was used to try and create some sort of elixir or concoction or method of turning things into gold, as I kind of mentioned before. There's a mummified crocodile that hangs from the ceiling, and there's actually even, like, an escape door of the, labor- of the laboratory to help kind of get people out in case, you know, villagers came a, came a burn in. <laughs> so, again, I just... The, the idea of being able to turn anything into gold or creating some sort of method and turning things into gold is kind of just a common theme in Prague. So it's a little cheesy, you know, but if that is your jam, and I do not blame you, then that is definitely something that you're going to want to check out. Now, they do actually have a couple amazing cemeteries as well. In Czechoslovakia, or in Prague. And one of them is the Osani, I'm probably mispronouncing that, cemetery. It was built in the 1600s, and this this particular cemetery at the time was built away from the city because when the plague broke out in 1680, they're like, hey, we got to get these plague-ridden bodies away from us, away from the city. And we need to establish a cemetery for these unfortunate victims. And, again, they kept using it and using it. And over time, they started putting up more elaborate gravestones. We're talking even Art Nouveau, grave monuments. And eventually, it's actually become one of the largest cemeteries in Prague. 
or in near Prague. And if you poke around, you'll even find that as recent as World War II, both Czech Republican soldiers or Czechoslovakian soldiers and Soviet soldiers are actually buried here. So this cemetery has an amazing history, on top of which it has a lot of actors and writers and painters as well. So if you're in the cemeteries, the cemeteries you're jamming, you want to see some really old burial places and see a lot of historical burials as well. Because, I mean, they not only have people from World War II, they probably have people from World War One because they also have people who have been buried there even from the Napoleonic Wars. So, I mean, talk about a historical place to kind of just walk around and enjoy the peace and quiet. Now, the cemetery is open from 8 to 7 p.m., May through September. In March, April, and October, they close at 6, and from November to February, they close at 5, for the obvious reasons it gets darker sooner. Now, kind of talking about cemeteries and kind of transitioning into the ghost aspect of Prague, let's talk about the Josef, the old Jewish quarter. There's a spirit that likes to wander between the old Jewish cemetery and St. Vitus Cathedral. At St. Vitus Cathedral is where he would play the organ because he was an organist when he was alive. And so it is said that in the afterlife, he travels back and forth playing the organ and he's accompanied by a skeleton ferryman. And if you see him and the skeleton ferryman with a black cat, it is believed that the black cat was his wife. Now, this old Jewish cemetery is just as old. I mean, we're talking the oldest burial that they have to date was in 1439. And the most recent was 1787. I mean, the United States is barely a nation at this point in time. So we're talking over 600 years old, and 200 years ago was their last burial. So just, again, dripped in history, and and it's just a reflection of this part of the world. Now, in more recent times, during the goddamn Nazis' occupation of Czechoslovakia, they went around and they basically destroyed synagogues and cemeteries, basically doing their best to eradicate the existence of the Jewish culture in in Czechoslovakia. However, this cemetery actually gets spared. And the museum attached to the cemetery actually gets spared as well. And they did this, the fucking Nazis did this on purpose because they wanted to collect artifacts for this morbid idea of creating a museum of an extinct race. So they wanted to keep some Jewish artifacts to say, hey, here's the people we managed to eradicate from the face of the earth, like fucking dickheads. So, thankfully, well, I mean, I don't even know, because of this morbid fucking thought, that this particular cemetery actually gets buried, and again, the museum attached to it gets spared as well. But, you can go and pay your respects to the to those who are currently buried there, and they actually offer tours at this museum as well. And 
not only can you see what's in the, the museum, you will also find poems and pictures drawn by children during the goddamn occupation as well as their toys. So, I mean, I just it just kind of really pisses me off that this was the forethought of these fucktards. But either way, again, an exceptionally old cemetery, well worth you know checking out, well worth showing, you know, your appreciation. But if you choose a visit, you have to keep in mind that all Jewish museums and sites are closed on sa- on Sabbath, Saturdays, and Jewish holidays. And you know, look at the website. You know, get your tickets ahead. Figure out how you know how you're going to check this place out. I mean, I've seen pictures of both cemeteries. Amazing, just amazing. All right, let's head to Old Town Prague. In a building currently called Prague Crossroads is a former church, the Church of Saint Anne, located on Liliova Street. Liliova Street, probably mispronouncing that. The church once belonged to the Knight Templar, and before the Knights Templar, the order was ab- destroyed or abolished in the 14th century. One Knight Templar lost his head, literally lost his head. So today, this area is haunted by a headless Knight Templar who likes to stroll the city on his ghostly steed with his head under his arm, and it is reported that his ghostly steed has like flames and s- breathing fire out of his out of the source. And so if you got nothing better to do on Friday night between 12 and 1, riding up and down Liliofa Street, you might find this headless Knights Templar because the cool thing is apparently he's talkative. He likes to engage and he will tell people that he could be set free if you have the courage to take the sword from his body and stab it into his flaming horse. So if you want to help him out, and you're brave enough, strong enough, that's what you got to do. You got to track him down, take his sword, and stab the horse. All right, speaking of churches, because Prague has a lot of them, let's talk about the St. Agnes Coven. This, the hauntings behind this, this church actually has two versions of the same event. The first was that a noble young lady fell in love with a poor peasant. Daddy was not cool about it, so he packed his daughter off to the convent. There, she supposedly committed suicide. The other version is that a noble woman was once forced to enter the convent, and as a nun, she, you know, was supposed to marry God, practice some celibacy, but... She had a secret lover. Daddy found out. Found out that they were hooking up. He murdered her. And it is said that her ghost now roams the convent. However, it is said that she is known to do good things to help people. And there's even a story about how she appeared to a young girl who was actually going to commit suicide via poison consumption. Because she, too, was in an unhappy and poor love affair. And it is said that this unfortunate nun, Ghost, grabbed the poison from the girl and placed a bag of coins in her hand instead. And it was enough to allow this poor girl to marry her love and live with her true love. 
And again, I mean, there actually does seem to be a lot of interesting stories surrounding monks and nuns. In fact, there was one story, and I can't remember if it's the same street or not, where if you are out in the streets at the right time, you will see the reenactment, the ghostly reenactment of a monk murdering a prostitute in Prague if you're at the ghostly hour, the right time of night. In addition to the nuns, the monks, and the prostitutes, oddly enough, there's the ghost of a Native American that can be seen at sunrise on Na Fuskisku, I'm totally mispronouncing that, near the river, which is just north of the Covenant. Now, if you're like me, you're like, what? What are you talking about, Willis? Native American in Prague? So apparently, this Native American was traveling with the Wild West show, and unfortunately, he died while in Prague. And it is said that every morning you can see him because his soul is not at peace because he wishes to be returned home. Now, speaking of haunted places, let's talk about the Charles Bridge. If you decide to check out the haunted Charles Bridge and you decide to use the Karlova Street on your way over there, you know, if you're walking down the street and you decide, I'll take Karlova, be aware of the crazed barber with a razor in his hand. He is known as the Mad Barber, the ghost. In life, the Mad Barber lived while King Rudolf II was in power. As a barber, he had a pretty good career, but he wanted more. He wanted more money. Who doesn't want more money? I don't blame him. And again, like others before him, the Mad Barber decided he was going to practice some old rituals in his home to somehow magically come up with the process of making gold. This keeps coming up. I can't make this up. Now, his wife and three daughters were like, um, science doesn't work that way. But he did not listen. And he ends up spending all the family's money to the point where he literally has nothing left. He has to sell the house. And it turns out that his because they're so broke, his daughters become prostitutes. And his wife, going, Jesus fucking Christ, jumps from a high fortification wall and kills herself. She commits suicide. And that's when the barber just loses it. He starts... Uh, slashing people or trying to slash people nearby with his razors. And he ends up pissing off a group of soldiers. He fucked around and he found out that ended up beating him to death. And today you can see him, but he's only wishing for his freedom. And the only way to set this guy free is to let him give you a shave. That's it. You gotta stab the flaming headless Templar, but you gotta sit down and let the mad barber give you a shave. And if you wanna really help him out, you need to be on Karlova Street around midnight. He's actually not alone on Karlova Street. There is the bookbinder Antonius, who likes to curse at you. Curse, he's just mad. He's mad in unknown language. And supposedly there's this greedy, flaming skeleton hanging around. So, you know, Karlova Street 
Like, one o'clock seems like the best place to be in Prague. And again, all of this is on your way to check out Charles Bridge. So it is said that on June 21st, every year, you can see 12 headless ghosts walking in a procession from Charles Bridge back to the old town square. Why? Because a couple hundred years ago, 27 men were executed in the old town square. But 12 of them, who were considered the most influential, ended up with their heads in iron baskets that were hung from the old town bridge, and those heads remained there for decades. So they're all pissed. They're like, where the fuck's my head? Why'd you do this? Now, we've talked about like, some ghosts. We talked about this awesome library. We talked about some really old cemeteries. And anyone who knows and have heard my podcasts, I love cemeteries. Cemeteries are my jam. However, just a couple of last things that you can do in Prague that I have not been able to find or read about anywhere else. Number one, you can bathe in a beer spa. That's right. You can literally bathe in beer for, you know, medical benefits. And they've been doing it for the last 2,000 years. And, I mean, is there real science behind it? Is Prague really about real science with the occult history? No. But that's okay. You benefit because you get to, I mean, if ever you wish to bathe in the golden essence of beer, this is it. The other interesting thing is they have a sex machine museum. Yes. Yes. So if you want to check that out, they have over 300 items in display, plus a vintage movie theater. I can only imagine what they play on that. But definitely something you might be interested after you have your beer bath. Now, I did poke around to see what kind of hotels that would be Awesome to to stay at and hopefully catch a ghost. The only one that came up in my research was the Augustine Hotel in Prague. It is a 13th century monastery, so it's been around since the 1200s, 800 years old, more than 800 years old. And because it was once a monastery, it is haunted by a monk who's like, hmm, I'm going to go fuck around and find out what these tourists, they can't do anything to me anyways. He likes to roam around the rooms. He likes to play with the light switches. And he likes to move things around. So just be kind if you see the monk floating around. Because he can fuck with your shit. And you can't do anything about it. All right. So that is Prague. But I have to tell you, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there were so many other places that, I mean... I had my pick of the litter from, and again, I asked myself, why didn't I go to Prague for my honeymoon? Because, And the reason why I say that is simply because that was the last time I had been to Europe. And since then, I've been to San Juan, just put a little toe in Jamaica, St. Thomas, and Japan, Okinawa, and a little bit of Tokyo. I wouldn't really, I mean, we saw Tokyo, but we were on the outskirts. Disneyland, Tokyo is on the outskirts. So, mm, did I really go to Tokyo? Maybe. But either way. All right. So, that's what I have for you tonight on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. And if you're curious or interested and would like to join, send us a request via Facebook. 
But in the meantime, if you have a topic or a serial killer or some sort of gruesome scenario you guys would like us to talk about and make an episode over, send me an email at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. And I do actually check the email uh, on a daily basis, actually. But until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs> <laughs>